From RTL Today Radio Studio 4 in Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport. You're with myself, Nathan Snade, my old mate across from me, Scott Brown. It is the 19th of April 2023. The weather, Scott, bright, light, and much more nicer to play sport and go for a run outside, isn't it? Much more nicer to coach sport as well. You can get away wearing shorts, you know, get the calves out, get a bit of colour on mate, those bad you, boys. You, 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 you never wear trousers even in the middle of winter. No, actually, that's not true. Um, so uh, when I when I was teaching in the UK, I was like, I made a point of never wearing trousers to teach PE. So in the two years that I, so the two years I was officially qualified before I moved to Lux, never once wore tracksuit bottoms. And then I moved out here, and um, the um, the next thing was obviously I was uh, going into all these different schools and stuff like that. And one of the uh, teachers at uh, a school in the city over the rainbow, a guy called Sylvan, I bowled in. It was probably mid October in shorts, and he just basically the French guy just looked at me up and down, and he was like, "You're mad." Um, I was like, "No, nah, mate, don't don't wear wear uh, don't wear trousers, mate." And he goes. We see. We see if you uh, if you stick to that. And sure enough, I reckon about three weeks later, I think it snowed or something, and I and I, I rolled in in trousers, and he just stuck his head in. He's like, "I told you, I told you, you wear trousers." But yeah, can't beat can't beat it. Shorts, you know. We get flack, you know. This is when everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you PE teachers, you get it easy, don't you?" Yeah, well, we were out there when it was snowing and howling winds and stuff. Don't forget that. Um, yeah, as always, this is our well show number ninety, isn't it? This that's is our a Wednesday. Big, that's a beginnings. Ninety. Ninety's a good a good knock. Isn't it in the nervous nineties? Nervous nineties. Start to see a hundred. Familiar, familiar with the cricket? A little bit, a little bit. So there's a brilliant video on um, on YouTube um, where you, whenever you're playing cricket, you obviously you're. I guess you're monitoring as a commentator. You're watching their performance throughout. So you know they go from fifty to sixty to seventy-five and whatever. And as the number gets higher, obviously it's a big deal to get to a hundred, isn't it? Now, I can't remember the name. Who's the, the English guy but always commentates on Channel 5 in Australia? Ah, oh, that's going to annoy me. I'm going to have to find his name. Anyway, he's big. He, he always commentates with the Aussies. And one of the guys gets on to... Uh, yes, you don't talk about being in the 90s because obviously people... You know, it's a big... As I say, it's a big deal to get, to get out on 100. Um, and sure enough, he's commentating. He's like, yep, and he's on 96 now. And then it goes quiet, and it should stay quiet, but he can't help himself. And he goes, yep, he's never been out in the 90s before. And you see the guy, Shane Warne, who unfortunately has passed away now, but Shane Warne's a legend of the game, and he just literally t- looks at him. He's like, why? What, what, why'd you say that? You know? <laughs> sure enough, next ball, gets out, out, and he's like, yeah, that's your fault, and stuff. <laughs> um, but I've, um, cricket's a funny one, because it's, you know, I think there's sort of more... The, the old school style of things, you know, some people are superstitious about um, about uh, about certain things in sport, you know, which 
pad do you put on first? Which bit of kit do you put on first? You might wear your special boxers, this sort of thing. But I've played in teams where, you know, I think cricket's the only sport in the world where it can be exciting for the outcome to be a draw. Because you can have whole days where they just need to get one wicket and the guys just sit there and the guys are doing everything, but they just can't get them out. And you hear of stories where basically they're all sat up in the, the dressing room just watching and like if someone gets up to go to the toilet, they get glared at because it's like, no, you have to, you have to stay sat there. Like you, you just nobody's allowed to move because you're basically terrified you're going to jinx it or something like that. And yeah, it's, I've, it's, I've spoken- it's a funny old sport like that, isn't it? Really, like it's I think quite unique to anything. I can't think of another sport that would be exciting uh, for a draw, exciting for a draw, or <laughs> yeah. exciting to go and have tea at five o'clock. Yeah. Five o'clock, no, three o'clock. They normally have their tea, don't three they? Three o'clock. Yeah. Three o'clock. Um, listen. We have got guest Flavio Giannotti, professional fencer from Luxembourg, competed at the highest international level, actually a foil specialist. That's right, isn't it? Epif. Specialist. Epif. Yeah, Epif. Um, which is one of three disciplines. Pretty good. You one remember three, three. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Represented Luxembourg in many tournaments, championships around the world, including the World Championships and even Olympic Games. Was that right? Not yet. Not, not I yet. hope that one day uh, we'll be sitting Hopefully, 20, hopefully 2024. Um Flavio's See, you're w- superstitious as well. You just knocked on the on the. No, table. The- <laughs> no that was me. There's someone actually at the door there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Flavio's been with us before. He's actually been on the Lisa Burke show. He's been with uh, he's been with us at Let's Talk Sport before. We uh, met you down the other day at the at the cock for the uh, basketball basketball finals of the cup, wasn't it? Yeah. And he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, "Listen, when am I going to come back in the show?" Did he and tap you on the shoulder? Or did you tap him on I the shoulder? Well, my ankle tapped him around the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> around oh, the Flavio, oh, Flavio, please, please talk to us. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we're delighted to have you back in the show and uh, have a bit of chit-chat tonight about various sporting uh, events and things that have been going around, obviously fencing itself, but um, we might even give, give, give you control of the mic tonight, I think. What do you oh, think? A bold, a bold decision. Just before we uh, we get into the crux of it, I do have to give a shout-out to Iris Dudek and Tom Webber, the two Wednesday night warriors slogging it out there in the office at RTO. I said I'd give them a, a shout-out. So. Every week they're up there. Every other Wednesday. Every other Wednesday. Yeah, they're out-dogging it out. Machines, aren't they? On the grind, is it? Yeah. On the grind? On the hustle. On the hustle. The Wednesday night hustle. Yeah, so- well done, team. Bring some sweets. Keep coming every other Wednesday. Bring the sweets. Bring maybe, the Reese's Pieces. We'll be laughing. Was, maybe that was the knock on the door then. Could have been. Could have been. We have got, um, we've got a spare mic if either of you want to come and jump in and join on the show. So the offer's there. Um, as always, we'll start things off. Sport and its history in the world today. Nathan, you got a few, you got yep. a few funny ones for I've us? I've got a few. Wow, well, a few funny ones. Not, not so sure about that. But 1982, Rosie Rui, a marathon race cheater, was arrested for forgery on this day in 1982. 1991, Evander Holyfield beat George Foreman in 12 rounds for a heavyweight boxing title. And with 19, I don't know why I, got, I made a mistake here. Normally I go up and go up in years, but I, I'm going to go back a year to 1990. There's no chronological order. Here well, normally moment, I do. Maybe there was a bit messy. of a maybe there was a bit of a typo. But in this case, we're going back to 1990. <laughs> the Pistons and the 76ers they got into a fight that accrued 162,000 US dollars of fines, which was an NBA record. Moving up to 1986, Michael Spinks, he beat Larry Holmes in 15 rounds for heavyweight boxing title. I'd rather, I think I'd rather do 
12 rounds and then 15 rounds. Would you, you, think, a, you, could go, long... you think you could go 12 rounds, do you? No, I don't think I could at all. I don't think I'd go around. In fact, I wouldn't be daft enough to jump in for three minutes. <laughs> um, 1997, tennis player champion Andre Agassi at 26 years of age, wed actress, model Brooke Shields, 31 in California. And there's been a bit of, in the, what do you call it, in the news, in the, in the Hello OK in magazine, in the spotlight. Just recently, Brooke Shields has been out there making a few a few comments. Um, yeah. About the earlier days, whether she's throwing dirt or not on Andre, I don't know. But I noticed that he is uh, happily married with Steffi Graf now. And in fact, they've got a son that plays, I think it's baseball. He plays professional, he's going up the ranks to, I think, play potential, uh, I think it's professional baseball. Happiest of birthdays today. Sue Barker, British tennis player, French Open winner in 1976. Was born in 1956. Uh, 1970, Kelly Holmes, British athlete, Olympics gold, 800-1500 metre in 2004. She was born on this day. Rivaldo. Do you remember? There's a, a my, my memory of him. My memory of him is the 2002 World Cup, and they played against England, and I can't remember who it was. It was probably someone like Wayne Rooney hoofed the ball at him over in the corner, and it hit him on the shin, and he went down clutching his face. Roddy, yeah, trash, mate. What absolute trash? No, you think you're not. You're not confused. You're not getting confused there. Two thousand and two. Yeah, the World Cup, which was in South Korea or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, England. When I think of Brazilian divers, I think of Neymar. I mean, he'd have to be. He has to be the worst. You'd be familiar with this term, Flavio. Simulatore, eh? Un po', Piano, piano. Actually, Thursdays, um, I'm, I was teaching at St. George's, and there's a big, uh, with the year 10s, there's a big Italian contingent, and whenever we do the football, um, the easiest way to get the, I guess, the, the troublesome guys who might, you know, put your nose out a little bit is to give them the whistle and let them referee and stuff and you've got this as I said there's a big Italian contingent so if somebody gets goes down easy, easy all you hear is hey oh simulatore <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a I'm, good one I'm gonna there's another footballer who has a birthday today and born in 1987 Joe Hart English soccer goalkeeper had 75 caps for England and 266 for Manchester City sort of fall, fall from grace for Joe Hart wasn't it because he He's, he didn't get offered another contract at Man City. I he think he was over Italy. in Turin. I he think went he was to in Turin. Turin. He went to Turin, you know? Yeah. Into, into your footy? Yes, a little bit, but uh, not the Turin you mean. Not the Juventus <laughs> Turin. <laughs> yeah. And for the other Torino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in 1987, Maria Shar- uh, Sharapova, the Russia former world number one tennis player who competed on the WTA tour from 2001 to 2020. Um, it's her birthday today. So... Quite a few people have had a birthday. Sue Barker, Kelly Holmes, Rivaldo, Joe Hart and Maria Sharapova all share a birthday on the 19th of April. You stick those in your calendar for next year, bud, huh? <laughs> um, as always, our Wednesday show has more of a uh, more of a domestic theme. I think it's important to touch on. I was lucky enough to be down at the uh, the Doudelange-Hesperange game at the weekend and it was pretty big, big... Uh, Really positive advertisement, advertisement. Sorry for, um, you know, for football in Luxembourg to go down. Decent big old crowd. I haven't seen the numbers. I think there's about fifteen hundred, two thousand people down watching. Um, plenty of beers flowing. Um, a few in your hand, huh? Well, there's a few in your hand that I saw. Uh, could be, could be Sunday, wasn't it? Um, Sunday fun day. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously Hesper went one nil up. 
Dudelon's equalised and then pulled away. And then, yeah, it was a fairly chaotic six, I think it was six or seven minutes where, you know, Hesperon's just untouchable. But it was really interesting to watch, like not being from a football um, football background, but just watching it, the way Dudelon's play is like, you know, the first, if, if somebody has a shot and the goalkeeper takes a goal kick, Dudelon's will play out. You know, they won't just hoof it up the park. They like to try and play and keep hold of the ball and stuff like this. Whereas Hesperange, uh, you know, really, really strong counter-attacking team, got quick boys up top and they, you know, they turn the ball over and they really, they'll go the length of the pitch. And it'd be quite interesting actually to hear from somebody who's listening in from a football background if that is in uh, fact the case or if I'm actually just talking out my ass, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it was it was great to watch it. Got a quick chat with Philip Boych afterwards as well. You know, obviously they weren't in the best of moods because you'd be pretty gutted because it would have obviously taken them level. Um, how um, if if, they, if they'd have held on to win, but now they've got I think it's um, Nita Corner breathing down their necks for second place now. So it's quite tight at the top of the league, but you know. I'm happy to say I'm becoming definitely a big fan of the the football in Luxembourg. It's it's growing on you, Scott. Yeah, it is. I it's didn't, really... you know, I'll probably have to delete this bit of the show because you can't hear me saying stuff like that being from a rugby background. But <laughs> yeah. I've really enjoyed the last two two things. I'm quite quite keen to go and watch some of the other teams and see what the old hospitality is what like. About the, what about the turf? I mean, oh, that must be a magic, rugby player's dream mate, to well, play well, on the turf. I'm like luck, that, lucky enough it? to play have played on some decent tracks as well, but nothing will make me happier than to to get on that pitch and, and churn it up for them. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it was a cracking track. Cracking yeah. track. Yeah. Flavio, have you been down? You've been down to watch, down at Hesperance? You've been down to watch football? No, before? I haven't been down. No. Who would you, who, what club would you follow in uh, in Luxembourg? Do you follow a club in Luxembourg? No, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> Say it as it is. But yeah, it as it is. A, a good friend was playing at uh, Jeunesse, Esch. Oh, okay. So I would say that because the fencing hall is <laughs> just next to it, but um, no, not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, can we rip into Flavio's introduction, please? Can yep. you give us Can you give us the sixty seconds about yourself? I know you've probably done it three or four. No, times, not sixty yeah. seconds. That's too long. Give us f- 20, 20 seconds. Go about what myself? Just who just you are? Rock star. Who you are? Who you are and what you do? I'm Flavio Giotto. I'm a rock star. Say your second singer. name. Say your say say your, <laughs> say, your, say your second name again. Giannotti. Giannotti, not Giannotti. Nah. Giannotti. Giannotti. You say it fast. Giannotti. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Yeah. Gotta so love the Italians, eh? Look at that, that stubble. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, I'm interrupting your introduction here, apologies. 20 seconds. I'm Flavio Gianotti, Luxembourgish fencer, um, national champion since uh, I can remember, top 100 of the world since uh, some weeks again and since some years uh, doing world championships, European championships and World Cups for Luxembourg, trying to qualify for the Olympic Games. You're back in the top 100. I'm back in the top 100. son. Get Last time I was, well I, was, I was out of the top 100. Yeah, you were. When we spoke, you were just out. And I was like, oh, I'm yeah, going to get back like, and here he is. The, after the first tournament, after the show, I actually finished finished 12th in the World Cup, which is like the uh, best uh, result the Luxembourgish fans has ever done. And that brought me back in. So, oh, oh you little beauty. What, well that, done. That's what happens when you come on the show. Good shit happens to you. Do you Look know what I mean? Amy Thompson. Yeah, exactly. She's on fire. come more often. My next tournament now is in Cali, in Colombia. I fly there uh, not this Sunday, next Sunday. It's the first uh, qualification tournament for the Olympics. Do you want so, a midnight uh, phone call again from, yeah. from your one and only? <laughs> to invite me to the show again? Yeah. <laughs> You're a stalker, mate. Yeah. You need to leave these blokes alone no, and they won't on, come back on. Call. Straight to it. No, I, think, no. I think it was the morning of my competition, right? Oh, it was evening here. I was in, I was in, in Vancouver for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, yeah, it was in the morning. Yeah, I was wake, just waking up to go to the competitions. Well, you, you were like a spring chicken, mate. What's, <laughs> what's, <laughs> he, what's he saved in the phone as Nate? Just Nathan from RTL or <laughs> Un- <laughs> Uncle Pete? Or <laughs> Come over for the show. I said, mate, I'll call you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Let's lock it in. Let's lock it in. Um, we we were. I mean, the first time we obviously met was at the basketball finals, and you know, kudos to the FLBB. It was a it was a brilliant setup. A good good game as well. Um, but we we sort of you know the nature of. I guess not meeting each other the first time in the radio was obviously talk about yourself and what's going on. And it was really interesting to touch on uh, what the Fencing Federation, uh, the World Fencing Federation have decided to do with in terms of the, they've essentially allowed the Russian athletes to come back in. So yeah, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, it's um, kind of a mess in the fencing world because like the Fencing Federation was the first federation in the world to accept the Russian fencers again at uh, high levels or at World Cups. And they started from 1st of uh, April. So we haven't had a tournament since. So Kali will be the first tournament. But it has been um, a lot of problems uh, yeah, until now. Because, for example, uh, there's a French GP, like France Grand Prix. Yeah. And um, actually France doesn't do it again, uh, doesn't do it this year. Because the French government said we don't give visas to the Russians. So they, if the, and the Federation said if they cannot come, no one will fence. Germany had a tournament as well, who was cancelled as well. Uh, Poland, same thing. And uh, so we actually don't really know what's going to happen because uh, there are some federations who say we don't want to fence the Russians. Others say we don't care. It's just a sportsman. It's not his fault. So it's um, ups and downs. And Two the thing sides is, of the story here, isn't there? Exactly. And, uh, and I'm European games are coming on, you know. European yeah. games, uh, the third European games uh, in Krakow, exactly, yeah. will be end of June. And the Russians are allowed to be there. But the thing is that Poland is quite negatively to this uh, subject. So no one knows what's going to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and even from, from an athlete, I mean, I'm getting, well, no, in fencing, do you work on strategies in fencing? Like, how, how much, like, analysis would you do of your, your, yeah, of uh, course a, you a do. Lot? Of course you do. So, so then some of the, so normally you would like to have some of the analysis of, of these, let's say, if you were competing against yeah. one, you're going to be pretty limited. Pretty limited in analysis because don't re- don't forget that they are gone since two years. It's not like one year. So yeah. they disappeared for now two years, two years out of the scene. So they're coming back. No one really knows how they trained. No one really knows if they trained. trained. Yeah. Maybe yeah. The, the old guys stopped. Maybe there are some young guys coming in. Yeah. So in a point of view of a fan, of an athlete, that's my trouble right now. You know. Then comes the political part, which obviously is not so easy. And yeah. Don't think that we should talk this on this show, but no. actually, it is a big issue. Yeah, 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 massively. It, it, it re- kind of reminds me, d- totally different, of course, but with the uh, COVID matter with um, Djokovic, you know. So the tennis association, the, the WTK, can say, "Yep, you're allowed to play anywhere you like," but actually, the nation will say, "Well, like in this case, the US, he hasn't been able to play Australia. Djokovic wasn't able to play." So, so quite similar, where you've got. Um, the, the federation and the nations have two, exactly. two two very different but if you look at fencing Medvedev is still there he was always playing was he yeah playing every uh, tournament yes he was yes he was actually and All he's Russian was so he, actually was he playing under the Russian no he was flag? playing under the neutral, flash, uh, neutral flag neutral flag yeah but yeah well it's a uh, Obviously, a big. Uh, I'm trying to think in the in the squash world. There's not. Uh, let's say it hasn't. Well, there's no Russian 
squash players there are squash players there but I, I think they've been they're still on they're still blacked out let's say. I mean it's quite, it's quite interesting it's everyone's sort of like I mean ultimately the IOC are the, the top of the pile and they are ultimately the ones that have to make the decisions on this but I think um, a lot of these other organisations the Ukrainians included are trying to turn the screw you know coming out with these uh, these statements and stuff like this I mean the most recent one is that um Basically, the Ukrainian government are going to um, not allow their uh, national sports, um, sorry, let their athletes compete in events if Russians are competing, which, yes, um, you know, is you're, you're making a point, but ultimately that's only going to affect Ukrainian athletes. It's not, that doesn't impact what's going on. And I know there's, uh, I mean, obviously the heat's going to get turned up now in the next six Massively months. Massively closer, closer to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get more. Um, because the qualification starts. And uh, in yeah. fencing, there are like nations, like other nations now, who say, okay, if the Ukrainians don't fence, we don't fence as well. Yeah. And then the International Federation said, okay, if no one is fencing, we can't count it for the Olympics. I mean, we, we, we sort of, when we, when we first started this show, we'd make a point of... Uh, you know, having a, I guess, a major topic, a theme. You know, we've 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 dived into the the transgender stuff and uh, LGBTQ plus, I think it is now, and and all these different avenues for your opinions and your views and stuff. And you know, everyone is entitled to your opinion. You know, there's a lot of people who use that, you know, their religious um, views to impact right. on sport yeah. and stuff like that. But you know, let's let's put each other on the spot here now. What would you do if you were in charge of the? Um, if you were in charge of the whole thing, why don't you just come out now and say it? What would you? What would I do if I was would? Would you I, allow? I will do everything possible, everything possible to allow to allow political matters to stay away from the sporting sphere, the sporting ring. Now we know that it is an impossible feat. Okay, yeah, I, everyone, but I believe that too many of these organisations and too many that from the political side are trying to use sport as the lobby. Sports must unite people, and we cannot allow anything to divide to divide so us. Should should the Russians be allowed to compete? Should the Russians be allowed to compete? The in, Olympic my, Games. in my opinion, yes. Okay. Yeah, in my opinion, yes, they should be. Based on my statement is. Keep as much of the pollock, keep as keep as much as you can out. And you what would you some- what would you like if we we dig into it? And I'm gonna oh well, if you yeah. poke poke the bear here, um, Flavio, you can chuck your fifty cents yeah. in here as well. <laughs> but if you're um, so you're saying you should allow the Russians to compete? Yep, I've you know I can tend to agree with that. Um, but do you think there should be a, a different criteria to allow them to compete? Because obviously now we're going to dive into the world of, of drugs. Of this drugs. Is, this is actually and, and competing. A- this is actually a good question. And we had this situation in fencing now where Poland said, Russian fencers, you can come to Poland to fence. We will give you a visa. But you have to sign a document where it's written that you are not, um, you don't accept the regime of Putin. You're not paid by the army or the government. And uh, something else like that. So that's the question now again. Yeah. Like Russian fences, most of them are in the army because oh, they're getting paid fair, by it. That some, in some reason, yeah. that's a fair, fair call. I just don't think that you should also be there at that event. Doesn't matter what what event it is, but but playing a political or or, or, or waving a flag yeah, or a political. It just um, and again, I'll play devil's advocate here by um, asking an athlete to do that. You're essentially saying that they're the opposite. 
of of every do you know what i mean you're saying right well you don't you you don't agree with this regime and all this other stuff and stuff so um so you're it's you're basically saying you're not on this team you're actually on this team so is that not you know you're oh, almost so dividing you, it straight away aren't you and yeah. if you're russian what happens when you go back home exactly no yeah that's the thing that's the thing but if you were would you not think it would be more logical to do something of along the lines of because if we go before the uh, the invasion of Ukraine it was all to do with the drug taking and stuff like that so could you come out and say yes if you can prove um, that your you know your samples are all clean for you know what's the normal I think but they keep all your they keep all your stuff for 10 years anyway so you could you know you can go back into it they all, keep it but who keeps it yeah, yeah. But this is, this is, this is a, a, a very valid point what you were saying about two years out these athletes that we don't know who's not to know that during just again playing devil's advocate here who's not to, imagine that they've all been taking drugs to the highest order to get them at the uh, you know to get them I don't know playing with drugs to get them at their peak Okay, they might be clean when they come to the event, but they're already up on a playing field. Wait, well, they have been competing at a playing field. Wait, yeah, we d- we don't know. It, yeah. If you look back at the Olympics and the origin of the Olympics, it was always said that during the Olympics, I mean, back then when they first arrived, not in in the 1900s, but like in the Greek time. Oh, it was, it was common knowledge. They used to take all sorts of stuff when they were competing, didn't they? <laughs> yes, of course. But it was like during the Olympic Games, there was no war. They said we stopped the war for this time. Because at the time, they didn't want some political things or wars and everyone that was a good sportsman could compete. So again, like you yeah. say, um, Nathan, uh, like uh, politics should be uh, should stay out of it. But on the other side, I think I have two opinions. I mean, I have two opinions. There are two opinions. Yes. And with the traveling and fencing, and I know many people from everywhere. I know Ukrainian people, I know Finnish people, I know Portuguese from everywhere, you know, in fencing. And the closer you get to... Russia, the more they tend to say, I don't want to see them. The more you go in direction of USA, Portugal, Luxembourg, Mm -hmm. we say, oh, let them compete. Where's the problem? You know, and the the two point of views is on one side, they say we have to make a statement and the statement has to be everywhere. You know, we don't we don't want this war. It's it's not necessary. So we have to keep them out of everything and we have to be uh, hard line, hard line. On the other side, in a sportsman's point of view like the Russian sportsman probably didn't ask for that war he just woke up in the morning probably Mm -hmm. like all like everyone else and was like oh what's going to happen and probably some of the sportsmen even fear for their lives because they're all paid by the government and by the army so if they decide tomorrow that to send someone in the war but then we come back to the point that some Ukrainian fencers cannot even train because their fencing hall is destroyed and something. Yeah. And then we come back to the political side. So it's it's really a really, really complex um, uh, theme. And like I said, as a sportsman point of view, I can understand that one says the, the athlete didn't ask anything. We have to let him compete. And as a political side of view, I can also understand that they say we have to draw a line. Yeah. So again, like if, if I would have to choose, I don't know what to do. It's really yeah. difficult. Yeah. Because I'm an athlete. That you're in another, you're in another, you wanna, you're in another position. And ultimately, exactly. you want to, you want to compete against the best people, of course, irrespective of, course. of where they're from. You want to, you uh, want to compete against the best. And I look at the situation. Imagine, imagine, just imagine, I will qualify for the Olympics. Okay, so I dedicated my whole life to qualify there, and then the day before, Luxembourg would say, "We don't go there because something here or there." 
which isn't maybe my opinion, which is is maybe my opinion. Or so I dedicated my whole life to something that I cannot even prove I'm the best of. Yeah. In. yeah. Here's here's uh, a question for you, just quickly. Tell me. So, when uh, we look back at the last Olympic Games, obviously in uh, in Japan. Yeah, Tokyo. Tokyo, and um, you've got the Russian athletes competing as what? What? It wasn't as Russia. What were they competing as? What was it called? It was like neutral flag. Yeah. So like you see like a yeah, Olympic yeah, yeah. committee. Yeah, that's it, the, the International Olympic Committee. Yeah, that's exactly. who they competed at. But let's call it as it is. It was all. Is that something that you can elect to do anyway? Can you go to the Olympics and compete, but not for a country? Because obviously that was created in that instance for yeah. those athletes who weren't part of that regime. Do you know if that's... You know, if you say, if, if Luxembourg turned around and said, yeah, we're, we're not going to the Olympics, could you still go and do that sort of thing? I don't know. And I hope I will. And if I have to touch, check. Touch wood, yeah, I know. But I'm, I'm just curious <laughs> I, as to how, because obviously that, 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 I guess that outcome was created as a result to uh, allow the athletes who were competing fairly to, mm. to do so. So it's like, will that? be continued next time around you know if you've got someone who is living in america but uh plays under the russian flag like a lot of the tennis players do um and they're not obviously you know based in in russia you know is that is that completely different you know i guess mate with there's so many avenues there's so many different channels you can go off on there is another one there this isn't the only war going on right now i had it in my head as well i didn't want to say it because he was talking but there actually is so many wars going on so why and and why is this one? At the why top is this of the pile one? Because it's in Europe. Because it's course, in because it's in Europe and 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 US as well. Let's let's be honest here. Because it's so close to these big 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 nations, that it's the hot topic. But there's other countries that are at war as well. So it's, whoo, it's complex to say the least. Uh, it's, right, Scott Brown, are Russia in or are Russia out? For um, you, for me, I would. Um, Oh, I didn't see you sit on the fence so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm normally very black and white with this sort of thing. I would... Um, I would... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I, and, uh, I would be like you. I think they should compete, but I think there should be more stipulations. But I'm going off the back of the the drug taking and stuff like that I yeah, think. That, for, that me, one, that one's a, a more, for me, that's, mm-hmm. the big, that's the big no-no. Um, you know? Fly under the white flag again. What about you? No? He can't comment. He can't comment. I can't, can't comment, comment on this one. He's got, he I'm can't sportsman, yeah, you know. He's, he's, like, uh, <laughs> mate, we hope to be there at the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> just, Olympics just whether on he's the, fighting uh, the Russian or not, we hope he's... Well, sort of, yeah, he's just playing on, swords. I'm, I'm, mate, I'm there with you. Just on the subject of drugs, obviously, Alad, who are the... Uh, the uh, anti-doping agency in, in Luxembourg, they've now, uh, over the course of last year, conducted more than 200 doping controls. When you think that it is a much smaller, um, much smaller, I guess, contingent and cohort out here, which is quite a number of tests. In the course of last year, over 200 to carry out. Um, and this is what they did in their annual report. 203 urine samples, uh, urine samples were collected in the country and another 27 from uh, the athletes when they're, uh, when they're abroad. Um, and and they, they were all... All negative. goes negative, were they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, were you one of them? In Luxembourg. Were you yeah. one of the 203? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in this, um, how do you call it, this, not project, but... Uh, program, you call it yeah, program. Yeah, program, exactly. Program. In this program as well. So uh, I actually have to say every day where I am, what I do, where I sleep. Yeah. And I have to give one hour at 
some a certain point a where certain, he can turn up. Yeah, turn up. it's got reckon, um, Max, might, Max, Max yeah. might be looking at you now, going right. I know he's with the boys. He's <laughs> Which is in. actually quite funny. You know, the first time they came, I was. Uh, it was a, a Sunday morning, and I was actually going out on, on Saturday, so I came back quite late. You know. Yeah. And uh, we were out, or we were out, out, you know. I was out, out, out. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it rang on the door at, 10, at six o'clock in the morning on Sunday. I think I went to bed like two hours before and I didn't even hear it. You know, my girlfriend next to me and now my wife, she's waking me up like, yeah, someone is down, go, go check it. I was like, oh, what's happening? So I go downstairs, open the door and they're like, yeah, we're from this anti-doping. Okay, come in, come in. And then all of a sudden there was like a huge silence. And I was like, okay, what's happening? What's happening? And they look at me, look at my head, my feet, and they were like, you're allowed to dress yourself. You, know? you don't have to stay naked. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I went up, took all this stuff, threw it down, and it was my first time. So they explained to me how it works and everything. So they said, okay, here's the bottle. Let's go to the toilet. And I was like, what do you mean by let's go to the toilet? Yeah, yeah let's go. I'm coming with you. I was like, oh, okay. So I was there trying to to get my urine into it and at some point I was like ready for it and I felt like a warm um, brief in my neck and I was like what is this I turned my head and he was just looking there straight where I wanted to pee and it was the first time I mean I experienced this kind of I was just looking like okay uh, so I, I couldn't pee and I think they, they stayed there Stage in the end right. for Stage three right. hours three hours <laughs> Three hours. Yeah. They were there from six to nine, and uh, it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> now it's getting easier, but you see, just want a little bit of space. Just wait, yeah, uh, wait by the wait by the door. Uh, you so. get used to it. Now it's yeah. quite easy. They come. Last time I had the record, I think they were there like twelve minutes or something. Just Brilliant. Came. Brilliant. There you go. Brilliant. Well, Brilliant. in the end, you know, you got there. And on the subject of being in the end, I got a little banger here from uh, Lincoln Park. <laughs> Flavio, we're going to kick you out. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I reckon we'll get you back because I think we could really dive into a, a few other hot topics. Of topics like, yeah. so what are we going to do? What yeah, we, exactly. I wasn't expecting Mate, that. that was um, the yeah, keep us in the loop with what's going and we wish you all the best out in Colombia. Yeah, Take it easy, brother. What an absolute banger of a song. What a guest as well. Love having Flavio in. Got something special planned for our 100th show. Won't tell you what it is, but you'll have to uh, you wait for that one. It, it, it's about time we started talking about those awkward topics instead of hiding away from them, you know? It's not that we hide away from them, but I think it's something that people just leave on the background and Six, don't talk two, about one, it. 52, 5,000. Let us know check what you check your fifty cents. Check, in. check your fifty cents, and it's all it's, it's all opinions, of course. What would you do? What would you wouldn't wouldn't do? And we're all entitled to have our uh, opinion there, aren't we? You got another one here. Um, fundamentals. Talk to me about them about with the with the youngster stuff. I oh, want to hear. I mean, fun, well, I just went. I, I went over a um, an, an article that came out. I think yesterday or, or, or did you send me? It's, I mean, I've been tagged by a few people in it, and it's just I'm just interesting to hear your 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 view. Well, your, to be honest, I haven't looked in, de- in, in, in depth in it. All I can tell you like that. So basically, there's a there's a concept. Okay, the, the ministers Claude Marsh and uh, George Ingalls have basically come up. Ultimately, they're the the, the big hot big hot shows. The the, the 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 chiefs, aren't they? And they've come up with it's called Fundamentals Team Luxembourg, and it's a story of movement for children so that's the name the, the name of it um yeah presented yesterday and the aim is basically saying luxembourg loves sport and it's to get children from the age of zero to 12 years and to enjoy movement and physical activity it's a collaboration between inaps the um the the, the Col national and the um of education sports and and yeah sports and physique um the snj which i'm not
not sure who that is. The Service National... De, oh, there we go. Service National... De, Youth. Youth, yeah. Yep. Um, Youth National Service. Um, and you can... Da- basically, you can download an... Uh, or they download an app. They also do it for Maison Relay. So a storybook was, was prepared for the children of six years of age. Um... And that it's just going to basically be, I think, encouraging running, jumping, throwing. Um, and I think it's ultimately to help the educators a little bit because we know that, yeah, they do. It's particularly at the, the likes of Maison Relay, they need they need help or so they need a pathway to follow through. And I think there's a, a part of that manual is also designed for home so parents can do it and help children get engaged in physical activity. What do you think about that? Bringing out, bringing out a book to help people with... Um, Quite honestly, I would rather something than nothing. I can't be judgmental of it because I haven't, I, I haven't read it. I'll, I'll, I think, uh, I'll, I'll make, I'll make, I'll make a point so. of trying to get my mitts on it and have a, yeah, uh, I think, have a look. But I the think, big, the big thing for me would be like, how much does it cost? How much does it cost to, to produce something like this? How much has put been put? How much does it cost to you know uh, to put it together? To, to put a manual, you together. know exactly. You know, you know what you'd be better spending money on. Why don't you start educating train coaches and stuff instead of making a book? Why don't you go out and get these people doing courses, get them experienced and stuff? Because that and Britain, and, well, as I think we said, and, and and bringing more humans from outside of Luxembourg into in, into sport. My my big one. <laughs> Put a head of physical education in every every school. Yeah, that's that's my first thing that I would do. Um, but I don't think uh, obviously a book would be a cheaper way to uh, go about it. But hey, they're encouraging sport and um, sport and exercise, so we've got to we've got to give a little bit of a chapeau there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's important, but it, again, it's you know it, it's talking about it, but it's not actually doing anything about it, is it? Because I've got loads of packages. I'll go down into the dungeon down. I've got loads of different resources and stuff like that that have been given to me, but that ultimately. Yes, you can use them, but I think you've got to be you've got to be prepared to go out, try and make stuff, and improvise. You know, some of the best best teaching you're ever taught is not actually the content, but it's ways to uh, um, to to get your message across. You know, one that always sticks out in my mind is the the post-it note plan. You know, if you're ever Really, you know, often as coaches, you can be charging around the place and can st- struggle with to pray, prepare your content and stuff. You get a stack of post-it notes, just scribble down a few things because you can change the plan, yeah. you know. But and, and but obviously, if you don't have a plan, then you can't change it, can you? Yeah. You know. So that for sure. me, that sort of thing. And all we do is steal other ideas. So yes, I'm sure there's some good content in here. Am we going to use it all? Probably not. Am we going to steal some is some ideas from it? Absolutely, of course. Well, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I, when you think we we, we mentioned people and getting resources and coaches would be the first thing that probably would be the first thing to do i would just almost make it compulsory that we have um we have 60 meter races throwing competitions well, how, and, how, every, how, and then every and every girls sport. how much um what's compulsory pe a week for the girls uh for for my girls at school ooh, i think they're doing one maybe two one maybe two not enough is it it's not enough uh, uh, what are they doing <laughs> that's the other. That, that's the other question. That's the other question. A little bit of rock climbing, maybe. Uh, what was it? Badminton. Uh, football. In fact, my my eldest told me that she did football. I said, "What other sports have you done this term? Uh, this in term two, and she uh, term one rather. Uh, only football." Interesting, but anyways, I just think that we could be doing a lot more, like the, like the athletics days. I mean, we just had Flavio in here, also do, teaching physical education at a um, at a, at a school. Uh, Why you go? Uh, my my question is not uh, not asking. Hook up, have a competition. You're under you're you're under tens, under twelves, under under yeah. under fifteens, under sixteen. Doesn't matter what it is. A throwing competition. Um, oh, I don't know. 
the egg and spoon race, no. whatever it is. And this this breed this breeds sport nature. But what is it? The thing that interests me about this is Luxembourg love sport. Does Luxembourg love sport, Scott? Is that the actual translation, that's, that's or is there a the Luxembourgish? Concept which comes from Luxembourg loves it. Was a translate. Was a was a translate. To be fair, I mean, is it? But does it? But does, but, it, does, does it, it roll off? Okay, but but does it? I ask you the question. Does Luxembourg love sport? I know. Obviously, we've got um, Sandra Heck. She's working over at NAP, so I'll chase her up about it and see if we can do a little bit of digging about it because it'd be quite interesting to well, hear. Get, get her on because she would have met. She would definitely been part of it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it'd be good to get her on and tell us about this um, about this book. But mate, there's so many topics we could dive into here. Obviously, we've got a few. Um, you know, this the, the focus of uh, this evening's show is more about the domestic scene. Can in, I tell in you Luxembourg. about squash, mate? About squash. Can I tell you a little bit? Please do, Nathan. Rugby? Please do. Please do. I wasn't. I wasn't there, but uh, one of my coaches, Danny Hutchins, who um, who was away with the team playing number three in the in, in the men's, they played in Division Three. Um, so yeah, it's obviously three divisions within in, within Europe I think there was 15 men's teams and Luxembourg finished seventh so middle of the middle of the pack so, happy enough so, with that result are they yeah I think they should be happy with their, uh, with that result now we know in six weeks is but the, who are the heavyweights who are the heavyweights that are there the, who the won, I think it was uh, Italy so, uh, they, they didn't win it was I think it was Slovakia they won it in in the men's um, Italy were third and fourth uh, Norway I think we're in we're, we're up in the pack um, what was interesting about that though was the the main small nations in squash, which were is Malta, Liechtenstein, and Luxembourg, and they all finished um, fifth, sixth, and seventh. So they're going to be competing in each, uh, against each other in another six, yeah, in another six weeks. So um, yeah, interesting. Very, very. I think it's a, a solid result. Unfortunately for the ladies, a disappointing eighth out of nine teams. Should be fair to say that, and well, very noteworthy result of um, of, of Sandra. Denny Hoop was playing absolutely out of her out of her skin, and I got to give give her credit where credit's due because she's not uh, she no 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 longer a spring chicken, but she still is able to perform at really a, a high level and be one of the top players. Is that, is that a, a, an issue? You know, no no disrespect to her, but obviously the uh, no. Def- how do you put it? I think some of that that ladies team are a bit more seasoned. Is that? Yeah, oh, I think that's a very 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 fair comment to say. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, particularly Sandra, she's it doesn't you know oh, it's it's like sport. She's using her strength with her, with, with with her skill level. It's it's incredible how she's able to perform the way she performs. If Luxembourg was actually able to field their their let's say their strongest team, and there's an, another couple of ladies around uh, in, in in the country, would go pretty well in that um, in Division Three. I'd you know would would probably would arguably be up in the top five. So. It's just unfortunate that um, if you know there's a few newbies, they don't have a they don't have a passport yet. Hope they stay around long enough to get a passport. <laughs> Hopefully they stay around long enough to get a passport and they'll play. But um, well, fundamentally, that's looking that's what, that goes some... that goes deeper than just getting people with a passport. What's happening with your youth program and stuff exactly. like that? Exactly, I women's... think you've you've, na- you've you've tapped that one that that one on the head. Um, there's two players at the moment. One boy, uh, one. one uh, boy Amir, aged eighteen. Another one, uh, Ali. She's uh, sixteen, I think. 50, yeah, sixteen. And uh, they're playing at a very, very high level. In fact, to be honest with you, um, Ali, the sixteen-year-old, she's who's currently out with an ACL yeah, injury. She's blown yeah, she's blown out. She's, I mean, say it on here. She would she pretty much chop Sandra. You know, she's sixteen years old. So there is a little bit. Hopefully, maybe, but. 
you know, bums on seats, get lots more girls, got more boys, old, and young, younger generation in, Same and we will, we will be able to compete. Bums on seats, get yourself down to top squash. Obviously, you've got the RCL Touch League, which is starting not next week, but the week after. Starts May the 2nd, we'll run to the 4th of July, every Tuesday, quarter past seven till half past nine. If you don't have a team, get in touch, they will find you one. Yeah. Now, we How obviously... How did we get on with RCL the other week? Did we get any uh, information with, uh, in terms that they were having another a girls' day, don't they? they that's right, that's right. So they're, so they're, 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 they're growing on the success and they're having their second one which is going to be on the no. 14th yeah, of which is May all, which has already just been oh, which is, 14th uh, of May oh sorry I thought it was the 14th of April the 14th of May you've been drinking again yeah um, yeah 14th of May which is going to be their second one obviously they had shocking weather and cold weather for the last one but hopefully they'll get even more ladies down to um, hopefully they can the build on one. from the touch that, absolutely that, that touch rugby absolutely. hopefully they can get um, get more do you think you will get more contact play I mean you don't you don't really know do you but at least you're exposing the no, the, it's, the ball it's a, it's, a, it, it's a personal preference of mine but I wouldn't um, get uh, people who are um, you know I wouldn't get people who are new to the game into contact um, very early at all I would let them you know build up their confidence and then slowly bring it in especially as they get older just the, ca- the catching passing yeah yeah you movement know, just movement, the movement and stuff like that see how they pick it up um, but yeah obviously you've got the basketball the ladies um, basketball well uh, the final's going to be um, we'll play the game the repeat of the big one isn't it yep. T71 against Grunswold um, so actually Grunswold won that uh, 82 to 71 in game one in the men's obviously Steinzel are um playing against Esch in the final that's the best of five and actually Esch have gone one up uh, against Steinzel we were obviously meant to have uh, Jordan Hicks on this evening but he He's playing right now what an excuse you know yeah sorry lads I can't come on I'm playing so fair play to Jordan we'll obviously tee, tee it up for uh, later on in the year Nathan if you can pull up the scores and see what it's at at the moment um, obviously um, we, uh, we, we we love the basketball so it'd be great to get down to that sort of game three game four and see uh, the boys doing their business. I don't think it'll be quite as prestigious Mate, as the FLBB final. Then start, then start for another half an hour. Oh, okay, evening kickoff. Well, we wish yeah. we wish all those four teams playing in the finals all the best in cycling. Nathan, what you got for us? Yeah, it's the LC Jacobs Festival. Um, usually a three-day race. It's been condensed down to two days, so it's going to be held on the 29th and 30th. Um, of, of this month, um, it's actually the you know the most important event for women in this country. Started uh, two thousand and eight, some fifteen years ago. Um, yeah, Claude Losh. I think I wonder if he's related to uh, Losh. I think he's in real estate, but he is once again the course director of this uh, of of this uh, cycling festival. So I think it starts from uh, Luxembourg, the stud. And goes up to Steinzel, Steinfort, Steinfort. Uh, yeah, sorry, Steinfort. And then on day two, it goes to where is it going to? Uh, da, 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 da. It is going to uh, Garnish, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, Garnish. Oh, very good. It, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's uh, so that's that's coming up in a, in a few weeks. It's a massive event, and I think they actually had to. Um, a few teams are not racing in it because uh, I think there's the is it the women's Villetta? It's the Spanish race, isn't it? Not really up to date with my with my cycling. You you into cycling? No. Do you know how we would get up to speed if one of the cyclists would come on? You know, so I'm still waiting to hear from a few of them. So hopefully, uh, yeah, we... we'll hear back. You know, you know who you are. But the thing is, that the cycle, the thing that's quite interesting about cycling is, is just because that they are a um, they're a champion. Like they could be champion, but they might not actually win the race. 
Andy Slick. He was a, he, he, he didn't win the race because the mate that he was racing against was um, was 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 on the gear, was on the gear. But no, it's a, a, quite an interesting one to follow because you, you normally you follow a team that's that's or an, an athlete that's. Um, that's well, no, but that's a bit different with cycling because it's not just one race, is it? It's over a series of races, so it's like a cumulative. You could be the best in the world at, at, at actually cycling, but you might not ever. Not never win. Might in it ever win? Yeah, exactly. Mate, I had a really interesting one. Uh, a little bit, I, I, you know, get it from my resources um, that that gets sent to me on these emails. But I read about uh, a boxing match that went for forty-two rounds. We talked earlier in the day about the difference between fifteen rounds and twelve. Imagine going for forty-two rounds. It happened on this this month. Actually, it happened on seventeenth of April in eighteen sixty, and it was the first world championship boxing match. And it was not like in um, the Grand Stadium, like New York's Madison Square Garden. It's you know, which obviously hosted many, what do you say, gladiatorial battles, but it happened in an open field in southern England. Okay, it sounds like it's got the um, almost like the gypsies in the back of the, the back of the caravan written all over it, doesn't it? But uh, the contenders were a 25-year-old John Heenan, the All-American champion, and England's Titch Sayers. <laughs> 34, who was described on posters as the small, clever little ring general. Um, yeah, he was just a little five foot eight fella, and he was actually competing against Hennon, who was six foot two. So, um, but actually, it was a bare knuckle fight, which was illegal. But that didn't stop a huge crowd that gathered in the in the. Oh, how do we say this? Farnborough, Farnborough, yeah, Farnborough in Hampshire. Um, many of the spectators arrived by train from London. They were said to include Charles Dickens, William Thackeray, as well as the Prime Minister Henry Temple, and even 18-year-old Prince of Wales, who was destined to become the King Edward the Eighth. Is it Edward the Eighth? No, Edward the Seventh. Brother. Um, anyway, so the so at the start of the at the start of the fight, Henry was reported to have said, "We have a fine morning for our business." And then the young sayers says, "If a man can't fight and win on such a crisp morning, then he can't fight at all." The contest began precisely at seven twenty nine, and the two men they fought for an astonishing, brutal two hours and twenty seven minutes. Battered and bloodied, they were preparing to come out for the forty third round. When the boys in blue turned up, <laughs> and uh, they brought proceedings to an end with the with the, with the crowd and everybody fleeing to escape. That's quite funny, isn't it? The police, the police show up, and then you've got the, the but, prime but, but minister got the there. Prime minister, yeah, the prince, of, the prime minister, yeah. the prince of Wales, Charles Dickens. <laughs> it's like I mean, I'm looking at the clock. It's 1954, and this is my first movie reference here. But there's a. Have you ever seen the film Superbad with Jonah Hill? No. Absolutely fantastic. It's sort of like, you remember those teen movies you used to get back in the day, like the American Pies and, yes. and all those sort of films? Yeah. And then it sort of went quiet for a bit and then it was like restarted with that, you know, the Will Ferrell comedies, you know, like Super Bad, Step Brothers, all that sort of stuff. Well, there's a scene, and if you ever watch Step um, Super Bad, basically it's about their last night getting on the on the, on the the piss oh. and trying to basically hook up with uh, young ladies. And what ends up happening is they agree to go to this big after school party, but obviously in America you need ID to get alcohol. So one of the lads... Um, uh, what's his name? Fogel, he's called. You know, he's a, he's a little bit of a big geeky guy. He's, uh, but anyway, he tees up to get a fake 
ID, a fake driver's license. You know, he knows this this place. You can get a Hawaiian driver's license and stuff that says you're 22 or whatever. And he, um, so he goes and uh, obviously gets this. But what does he pick as his name? Oh, is it a fighting name? No, it's ridiculous. He picks the name McLovin. Just one McLovin. word, McLovin. Anyway, so they're like, oh, for goodness sake, you know, this is never going to work. It's ridiculous and stuff like this. And then what happens is he, they, they again go into the department store and the guy's like, oh, I'll just buy it and blag it and stuff. And they're like, nope, that doesn't happen. So he goes into the liquor store. He's in there and he basically gets all these beers and this alcohol and this, you know, the vodka and all this sort of stuff. Big basket, goes up to the woman and he's like, huh, yeah, I've been drinking them for years, you know, like sort of trying to play it off. And the woman... And he hands over the ID and then this guy comes in and basically punches him and then robs the store. So he's obviously, you know, sparked out and stuff. Next thing you know, police get called, the police turn up and you recognise the two police guys because they're very, one of them, Seth Rogen, if you've ever seen him, he's very funny and the other guy. And they rock up and they're like, you know, trying to get the account of what the guy looks like and stuff like this and blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, can we see some ID, please? And then basically they look at it. And like, they know it's fake straight away, but they guy leans in and he's like, mum will have a bit of fun here. And he's like, just hands it back. He's like, yeah, McLovin, huh? Well, you know, you do see strange names out there these days and stuff like that. And then basically what happens is the, the whole story rolls on and it's about it, them trying to still get to this party and stuff. And um, he, they, he basically gets in the car and they end up going out on a call and he's with the policeman and they go to this drunk guy um, and... They um, have to, you know, arrest this drunk guy, put him in the thing, and and then they uh, get a load of beers and start having a load of beers at the thing. Obviously, obviously dressed in uniform and stuff, and then get in the car, and then um, next thing you know, they're like, "Oh, can I have a look at your gun and stuff?" Hand him the gun, and then they get out and basically let him shoot off the gun. And then there's a bit where <laughs> the um, they're firing off the gun, and next thing you hear the sirens go off from another. Um, police car and they're all like shit the cops but like they're the cops as well you know um, but yeah it's like yeah, them sort of reliving so that, their youth so, and stuff so that reminds you of that reminds oh, you of mate, massively. Just, that was a bit just, I, I appreciate anybody <laughs> listening in that was a bit long winded but that's what it's so reminded that reminded me of. you of everyone the king Charles Dickens yes and nothing the, like the chase I bet they loved getting chased by the boys in blue didn't they yeah I'd say there's a few boys smacking the boys in blue back in the day back then as well they didn't really care about well, it did they? a reporter from Bell's Life the Britain Britain's leading sports newspaper at the time in 1860 he wrote the final round was merely a wild scramble both men ordered to uh, desist from fighting Hennon had rushed away from the ring and ran some distance with the activity of a deer <laughs> <laughs> yep, you, re- you heard that right. And although he was fit as ever, he was obviously totally blind. Sayers, although tired, he was also strong in his pins and could have fought for some time longer. The fight was declared a draw. Both men were paid £200 cash for their for their pains. They never fought again and they both died while still in their 30s. Mate, that who- was thank you to Ray Setterfeld who wrote that in April 2016 or... 200 quid back in 1860. That is some serious oh, cheddar. That, what is that? How that's much? A lot of, a lot give, me, of give me a second here. <laughs> How much? How much is 200 pounds worth in 200 pounds in 1860? Uh, it's worth a, a, a lot of cash. I would go as far to say it would be like worth maybe 10,000. 
So it's one pound in yep. 1860 was worth 155 pounds and 56 pence. So, so I'm going to get the old calculator. So, so times 155. So 155.56 times 200. Go on. 31 grand. That's some cheddar. That's some cheddar, That's some isn't cheddar. it? That's some cheddar. In 1860. <laughs> that's, a, that's a... Well, okay. By but the sounds of things, that, if they, they both... Went 42, uh, they went 42 rounds and they wanted to go for a 43rd. Yeah, mate, if they if they died in their... Um if they died in their 30s, it sounds like they had a good party good afterwards. Party. Well, at the end of the day, you know, that is the first World Championship boxing match that took place April 17 in 1860. What do you reckon it was hay bales around the outside, was it? Or was there an actual ring? But, well, a, a bare knuckle fight. Love that, mate. I love those stories. Love yeah. Those stories you bring up. You brought up that other one about that big fat bloke out in the States before. Yeah, yeah that, that's right, yeah. That. Who, um, larger than life, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Wasn't he? As always, a huge thank you to the army of volunteers out there who make our sporting world tick. You know who you are. Keep doing what you're doing. Get these youngsters involved, whether it's, you know, refereeing matches, making lunches, washing kits, whatever it is, you keep doing what you're doing. That is our wrap today, Nathan. Yep. Thanks, obviously, to Flavio. We will see more of him. We've got a cool one teed up for the 100th show. Um, we also see uh, wish him I've said obviously a not lot tonight um, we wish him all the best out in Cali in Colombia yeah. um, with his next He's event on Sunday isn't he and, so uh, we'll hopefully he continues to crack and work his way even higher up into that top 100 um, you can check out the regulars tomorrow from 6am uh, you've got Sam Steen you've got Steve, Stephen Steps Low with the lunchbox at 12 and then you've got Melissa from 4 till 7 um, obviously we've got our international style I can't stop saying it we've got international show on uh, on Sunday and we've got Anthony Perez back with the BGL League Roundup. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, RTL Play and obviously the website. If you've not listened in to uh, any of our previous shows, please do uh, yeah, log on to the RTL Play website and uh, get involved. You can, as always, get involved with our show and any of the other shows on 62152 5000. But Nathan, until then, it's... Um, it's Cheer. Cheer. Cheer.